You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming up on today's episode, we take a look at the possible Canadian Olympic roster to see if any Winnipeg Jets are headed to Beijing, plus a preview of the club's Friday game against the Devils, and solving the Mark Shifley conundrum. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rowicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rowicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. Hope you guys are having an awesome week so far. It's a quiet one with the Jets a bunch of days off since their uh, not so pretty loss to the Arizona Coyotes. So I bet it's actually been a great week. So far in Winnipeg without that to worry about. So that's been nice. And I could joke about that because my pathetic, disgusting, embarrassing Flyers sucked again on Wednesday. Once again, seven straight losses. And that ruined what's been a pretty good week for me up to that point. So if you're feeling down about the Jets, just remember you could be cheering for the orange and black. Resigned to a life of disappointment. So you can consider yourself lucky. It's not all that bad. But we're actually going to steer away from NHL talk for a little bit here because for the majority of the show, I thought we would kick things off with a look at Team Canada's Olympic roster, their potential roster, and who might be on their way to Beijing with the Winter Games not all that far away. Some Jets are hoping to find their way onto the roster as well, so thought we'd have some fun and, and take a look at that to see who just might be representing not only the greatest country on the planet, but the greatest sports team on the planet as well. The, the Avengers of hockey, if you will, for any Marvel fans like myself out there. So we'll start up front with Team Canada because that's where I think the most intrigue lies. A pair of Jets as well, trying to make it, and when you look at the group that Canada's assembled here, my God, is this ever just an absurd collection of talent. I mean, all the guys I have just on the outside looking in, by the way, would be no doubt about it top six locks on any other country's forward core. So not making Team Canada is, is nothing to be ashamed of whatsoever. But when we're looking at who Canada's going to pick up front, the way I see it is we have nine stone-cold locks for Canada's forward group, Nine players that I just don't see a way they're not going to be wearing the red and white upcoming in the next few weeks. I mean, we know two already because Connor McDavid and Sidney Crosby were named as, uh, you know, one of the three locks for Team Canada a few weeks back. But we have, obviously, 
Crosby, Bergeron, Marchand. That line is, I believe, going to be put back together again. The team's second line, by the way. We know that McDavid and McKinnon will be on the team, obviously. I think at this point, Braden Point is a no-doubt-about-it guy. Jonathan Huberto is another no-doubt-about-it guy. And fans might not like this, but Mitch Marner, to me, is also a stone-cold lock for Team Canada. A slow start for the Leafs is in the rear view now with Toronto just running through every single opponent that goes their way right now. And, and Mitch Marner's been... Yeah, give him a bit of credit. He's been a big part of that. You know, just under a point a game right now, it's not going to be too long before he's up above a point a game. Plus, he kills penalties. So, he's on my team, Canada. And then Mark Stone, obviously. In my opinion, the best defensive forward on the planet right now. I mean, he's a no-brainer to put in there. He can kind of go on pretty much any line if you want him to, right? A shutdown bottom six line, or maybe he plays up top with uh, McKinnon and McDavid. But Winnipeg's own Mark Stone will for sure be heading out to Beijing to represent Team Canada. So that only leaves three forward slots on Canada's game day roster. Then there's a couple of spots given to extra forwards as well. So, I mean, already right there, the majority of the forward group is, is pretty much set. So there's not a lot of room specifically for guys like Mark Scheifele and Pierre-Luc Dubois to try to find a way to squeeze their way in. By the way, before I get to who grabs those final few spots, let me know on Twitter, at Brandon underscore Wiki, who you have making Team Canada, both up front on the blue line and in net. If you agree with my picks, you have somebody that you think is, you know, maybe going under the radar and, and should be headed to the Olympics. I, I would just love to know kind of what the consensus is out there about who's going to make Team Canada. But like I mentioned, the nine locks, McDavid McKinnon, Crosby Bergeron Marchand, Point, Marner, Huberto, and Mark Stone. How the lines shake up, I mean, that's to be determined. Three forward spots as far as who is going to actually play each and every game for Team Canada. Now, it's interesting because I think players who people might have penciled in before the season have not played very well and might, might have actually played their way off the team. And then some guys that were on the outside looking in have had outstanding starts to the year and have probably borderline penned their way into the lineup. So do any Winnipeg Jets make it? Because we know Mark Scheifele off to a slow start, Pierre-Luc Dubois off to a blazing hot start, and you know somebody that I don't think was on the radar going into the season necessarily. We have to have that conversation now because of how well Pierre-Luc Dubois has played pretty much all season for the Jets. So I, I guess the first question is, has Mark Scheifele and his slow start played his way off of Team Canada's roster? For me, the answer is yes. But also no. Maybe. Here's what I mean by that. I mean, for me going into this, Mark Scheifele was a guy that I thought was going to be an extra forward. I didn't have him as one of Canada's 12 best, you know, because I, I assumed the point production would still be there, but that defensively, he just wasn't up to the same caliber as a number of other Canadian forwards who are as potent offensively, or, or maybe not as, but a shade less potent offensively, but bring the defensive side of the game way more than 55 does. I did not anticipate this complete drop-off in offensive production for Mark Scheifele so far this year. So, you know, if, if you look at it that way, you'd have to say, yeah, there's no way that Mark Scheifele makes Team Canada. But the interesting thing is that can also be said for a number of other contenders for spots heading into the season as well. 
Matthew Barzell has not gotten off to a great start. Sean Couturier has gotten off to a, a so-so start on the Flyers. And in Ryan O'Reilly, you know, he, he's been good, but he hasn't been out of this world for the St. Louis Blues. And those were probably three guys a lot of people anticipated being locks to make the team. So while Shifley's slow start definitely hurts him, the fact that there's a number of other players off to, you know, similar or comparable starts gives him a little bit of hope still that, hey, you have a lights out December. Maybe Mark Shifley can convince the Olympic brass that, you know what, I found my game, I'm ready to go, and I can be a contributor for Team Canada. So that's why I say, yes, it's played him off, but also it hasn't in a way, which is, you know, a, a pretty poor way of explaining things. But I, I think Mark Shifley still has a chance at Team Canada, although he's definitely behind the eight ball right now. Especially when you take into account performances by guys like Pierre-Luc Dubois, for example. And does PLD's quick start see him make Team Canada's forward group? For me, unfortunately, no. I just think there was too much trail to overcome for him. I I think there were just too many guys ahead of him that, unless we see Dubois again completely erupt in December, maybe he sneaks on as an extra. But for me, he'd be more on Canada's B team, which would still get the silver medal. But he's not, he just hasn't done quite enough to make Canada's A team. Although, again, we'll see what happens in the month of December. There's still a, a few games for some of these guys to uh, put their imprint on a possible spot for Canada. So who makes it then? Enough of guys that could make it or, or might not make it. Who's going to be on the team? Two guys that I thought were, I mean, over the hill in the sense that not good enough for Team Canada anymore, but have had outstanding starts to the year, to me, have for sure played their way onto the roster. And that's Steven Stamkos and John Tavares. You have to take both of those guys out to Beijing. No doubt about it. And and not as extras, but to me, two guys that are for sure in the everyday lineup. I mean, Tavares has been a point-of-game guy. Steven Stamkos... Steven Stamkos has kind of, in, in a way, quietly carried the lightning for a lot of this season with injuries to Kucherov and Braden Point for a lot of the time. I mean, he's been outstanding... Plus, he's kind of a, an, an ultimate power play weapon, although, you know, this team isn't necessarily uh, short on those. But to have that shot on one of the power play units is a big boost as well. I think there's a chance that Stamkos plays beside McDavid and McKinnon, to be quite honest. Just because we've seen, you know, Shafley and Barzell start off slow. There's a number of options there, but wouldn't be shocked if we see Stamkos kick out there to the wing besides those two powerhouses. But I find room for Tavares and Stamkos, so that gives us 11 of 12. And one spot's left open. For me, again, no Jets take that spot right now. And you can kind of interchange these two. I'm not going to uh, argue too much as to who would get picked. But to me, the final spot up front is for either Ryan O'Reilly or Sean Couturier. That defensive focus centerman wins faceoffs, kills penalties, shuts down the opposing team's lines when called upon, you need a guy like that. And when you have guys like Couturier and O'Reilly that are the pinnacle of defensive forward hockey down the middle, it can also give you, you know, 70 to 80 points a season. Yeah, that's a pretty easy decision. So I don't know which one of those two gets the call, but I'm going to say that one of those two slots into the lineup. I mean, hey, for argument's sake, let's put Ryan O'Reilly there. So there's your 12 forwards for Team Canada. That leaves a couple spots as far as extras, though. And this is where it gets interesting because you have 
uh, one of Couturier or O'Reilly. I imagine both of those guys make it, just not both of them get into the everyday lineup. So that leaves one extra spot for a forward. And who could it be? I mean, we mentioned the strugglers so far this season and Shifley and Barzell. I, I think people would probably lean towards giving Barzell the edge over Shifley at this point because production has been similar between the two. But I think there's just a little bit more dynamic components to Matt Barzell's game. Plus, you know, playing with Barry Trotz, he's got the defensive side of things figured out. So I think Barzell is, you know, probably the clubhouse leader for one of those spots as well. A couple interesting names, though. And and two that I don't think anybody was even close to thinking about before the season started. But if I told you right now, there's a good chance that someone that's in the top five of NHL scoring today won't make Team Canada, you'd say I'm crazy. But what if I told you that guy was Nazem Kadri? Yeah, that's that's right. I looked it up. <laughs> I didn't know this. I knew he was off to a good start, but I didn't know it was this good. Nazem Kadri is fourth in NHL scoring. He's got 29 points already in just 20 games. He's been lights out. Like, if you're going strictly by who's playing the best this season and taking a guy in form... How can you not take Nazem Kadri, who's one of the best point producers on the planet right now? But then having said that as well, how in the world could you take Nazem Kadri, knowing what he's done in countless playoffs for the Leafs and the Avalanche right now, right? Like, how could you trust him in a potential big spot in an elimination game in the Olympics, right? Like, he, he is just a fascinating case right now. I think the... I'll say the off-ice stuff, but I think the the fact that he's a bit of a loose cannon, I think that keeps him off Team Canada for sure. But just a name to to keep in mind because, you know, if he keeps this up, he's he has to be in the discussion because he's been one of the best players in the NHL so far this season up front. Another one is surprisingly Matt Duchesne. I mean, the Predators have shockingly found a, a, a bit of a rejuvenation here after they, you know, when we saw them here in Winnipeg, they looked absolutely horrendous, but they found their game right now. And, and Matt Duchesne's been one of the biggest parts in that. He's over a point a game. He's one of the top goal scorers as well in the NHL right now with 13 through 22. Plus he's got Olympic experience. He, he was on, you know, the famed team, the famed team back in 2014 that, you know, looked like they, would never be beaten if you combine all the rest of the countries in the world to face off against them. I mean, he's got to be an option too right now, right? So there are some some fun names to look at. One name that's not fun in my opinion, and I just got to go on a bit of a rant here because I think this is beyond ridiculous. This whole Zach Hyman conversation has to stop. I, I don't know why people in the hockey world are actually making the case... For Zach Hyman to make the Olympic team. I, I, I just don't get it. I don't know where that comes from. Not that he's a bad player. He's a, he's a really, really good player. And he's been great for the Oilers so far this season. He's been a tremendous signing for them. But, I mean, come on, guys. We're talking about the freaking Canadian Olympic team. And some of the arguments I've seen are beyond nonsensical. It's, they're so dumb, I don't even know if I'm speaking proper English right now. I mean, the main one that's being thrown out there is that... Hey, he'd be a great fit beside Connor McDavid in this tournament because in short tournaments like this, you want chemistry between your line mates. And that's why Zach Hyman would be a great fit beside McDavid and McKinnon potentially. And yes, chemistry is important. 
but that argument makes zero sense. Zach Hyman and Connor McDavid have not been playing together for four or five years. They've been playing together for a handful of games. They've been like not even 25 games so far. They've been playing together. They haven't played together every single game so far this season. Yet, just because they're on the same team, oh wow, miraculously, they have this great chemistry together. No, it's freaking McDavid skating up the ice, going through four people at a time and scoring. There's your chemistry. It was the exact same argument when Chris Kunitz made the team, made the Olympic team back in 2014. Oh, you gotta have somebody besides Sidney Crosby. He's played great beside him. No, chemistry's important in short tournaments like this. Well, guess what happened? Chris Kunitz stunk in that Olympics. He had one point in six games. Sidney Crosby's line did nothing all tournament long. And really, because Canada gave up like two goals the entire Olympics, that was the reason why they won gold medal. You know, it wasn't this insane chemistry between Crosby and Kunitz. It was the fact that Sidney Crosby at the time was the best freaking player on the planet. And you could put a guy like Chris Kunitz beside him and he could turn that person into an all-star. It, I just don't I don't understand. Zach Hyman's a great player. He like he does a lot of things right. He, he's great along the boards. He'll get the puck out for more talented players. But you're telling me that Nathan McKinnon and, and Steven Stamkos can't go into the corner and get a puck? They can't forecheck hard like Zach Hyman? Give me a break, my God. I I, <laughs> I I just don't I can't believe we're still having these conversations this close to the Olympics that somebody like Zach Hyman could make the Canadian Olympic squad. I don't I don't even think he could make team I mean Team America would be a tough goal for him. Never mind the vaunted Canadian squad. So that's my rant there. Nice guy. I, have, I don't have a problem with Zach Iman. It's just we how many times has Canada made this mistake before? Kunitz, he was terrible. Rob Zaminer in 98, that that was a complete disaster. I mean Draper Maltby in 06, right? Like just pick the best players. That's it. That's it. Just, just take the best players. You, that's your advantage as a country, as Canada. We have the best players. There's nothing you can do about it. So just don't overthink it. Leave Zach Hyman off the roster, please. But that's what I have up front. Again, Shifley, Dubois still have a bit of a chance. Shifley more so than Dubois, in my opinion. But it's going to take a hell of a December for Mark Shifley to make Team Canada. And even then, I don't know... If we're going to see him play in any games this upcoming Olympics. So something to keep an eye on up front. But that's how the uh, the bloodbath <laughs> spills out as far as who makes Team Canada's forward group. Now on the back end, obviously Josh Morrissey, a chance to make Team Canada. Logan Stanley as well. I don't think Logan Stanley will make it. Uh, but with Josh Morrissey, while he's had a great year, a really good bounce back season. He's looked awesome beside Nate Schmidt. Just again, too many names in front of him. Too much of a hill to climb. I, I I don't see Josh Morrissey being in the conversation to make Team Canada's blue line. Again, I mean, there's the one lock we know. Alex Petrangelo is going to be on the team. He was named earlier. He's had a, a pretty rough start to the season, so he's probably feeling pretty good that he's already made it. But we know, in my opinion, Petrangelo is going to be there. Kale McCarr is going to be there. Shea Theodore is going to be there as well. You know, I, I would put Aaron Ekblad as a lock. Some people might not, but to me, he makes the team as well. The tough thing with the blue line, though, is that Canada has a lot of really good right-handed defensemen. On the left side, though, they're a little bit weaker. So that's going to be something to monitor here because I know Canada in the past has gone heavy, like making sure we got three righties, three lefties, and that's it. End of discussion. 
So if Canada goes that route, you know, there's there's going to be some guys that might not be as name recognition worthy that make the team. Um, but Canada also has the option to throw a bunch of righties in there because you have guys like Mackenzie Weger, for example, Dougie Hamilton, obviously, uh, Drew Doughty, if he's healthy. All those guys shoot right-handed, but I, I mean, I don't think you put any of them ahead of either Ekblad, Makar, or Petrangelo at this point. So that's something to keep in mind, too. I, I don't have an idea of how Team Canada is going to go about that. How, you know, if they're going to go three lefties, three righties, or hey, we're just taking our best guys out there. And if it's five righties, then we'll just find a way to deal with it. So if we say three righties, three lefties, again, Ekblad, Bakar, Petrangelo. On the left side, I think Shea Theodore is a lock to make it. Then things get a little bit interesting. You know, Morgan Riley's had a pretty good start to the season for Toronto. Canada's always loved him as well. I, I think he makes the team. The third spot on the left side, though, is completely up for grabs. And I, I don't know who Canada takes necessarily. You know, a guy like Devin Taves, I think, is just criminally underrated because he plays beside a guy like Kale McCarr. But he's been great in his own right. You've got him as an option. Darnell Nurse has had another strong season for the Edmonton Oilers. Adam Pellick, a guy that I love. I had him on my initial Team Canada squad. I think he's still in the conversation because, you know, with all the talent there, it is nice to have a bit of a stay-at-home defenseman on the left side there. But a guy that I love, and I think he's still the most underrated player in all of hockey, Mackenzie Weger. Now, Mackenzie Weger is a right-hand shot, but he does play on the left side a lot, maybe more so than on his natural right side. And he's done so with Aaron Ekblad on a pairing. So that might be, <laughs> we're going to get into the chemistry thing again, but Mackenzie Weger has earned it at least. So this is different than Zach Hyman. But if you're talking about chemistry, especially as a defense pair, that's a pretty easy fix right there. Ekblad Weger, boom, there you go. And then you figure out with Theodore Riley and McCarp Petrangelo. So that's how I have my top six playing out. Ekblad, Uyghur, Theodore, Kale McCarr, Petrangelo, Morgan Riley. And then I don't even know who you take after that, honestly. I, I, I'd probably go Dougie Hamilton. But if Drew Doughty's healthy, I know Team Canada will take Drew Doughty over Dougie Hamilton for sure. But again, I just don't see Josh Morrissey finding his way onto the squad. He's kind of with Shifley and Dubois. They're on, again, Canada B. They're going to get a silver medal if that team ever comes to fruition. Uh, and then the goalies, you know, there's a lot up in the air for the goaltenders right now. Uh, mainly because Carey Price hasn't played yet this season. For me, if, if Carey Price plays in some NHL games before the Olympics, he's the starter. He's, he's the best big game goalie on the planet. Outside of Andre Vasilevsky, probably, but you know, right there in the conversation. Um, if not him, Mark Andre Fleury to me has very quietly turned his season around in Chicago. He's up to a 915 save percentage. Mark Andre Fleury makes the team either way. And then I have Carter Hart, who's single handedly keeping the damn Flyers from last place in the NHL, and Mackenzie Blackwood. Those are the goalies I see all in the mix there. It just depends if Carey Price. Uh, is playing by then or not, if he makes the team, if he is, Harden Blackwood, one of those two have to go. If not, both of those kids make it. So that's how I see it. Again, let me know on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rowicki. If I'm wrong, if I'm right, do you have Mark Shifley or Pierre-Luc Dubois as Olympians for Team Canada? Let me know what you think. Speaking of Mark Shifley, by the way, and his slow start, 
and being under the gun a little bit as the Jets kind of stumble along through November, I think I've got a solution to kickstart his game. And we're going to get to that in just a second, so make sure you tune into that. But first, we got to give a quick shout out to our friends over at DraftKings. DraftKings is one of the official sports betting partners of the NFL. And all you have to do is bet $1 on any team to score, and you can win $100 in free bets. It's really that simple with DraftKings Sportsbook. Remember, too, if Sportsbook isn't available in your state or province, you can still get in on the NFL, NHL, NBA action. Huge prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet $1 on any team to score and win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required, one per customer, restrictions apply, see DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right. So we've spent all this time talking about how can we kickstart Blake Wheeler. Paul Maurice is doing everything he can to kickstart Blake Wheeler, get his game going in the right direction. But there's a more important player to the Winnipeg Jets forward core, arguably the most important to get going right now, and that's Mark Shifley. And it's been a really, really rough go for him. Over these, I mean, really all season long, I can't even say over this last stretch of games, but all season long for Mark Shifley, he's just struggled. He's at half a point a game right now. Obviously, he's not anywhere near as impactful as he has been in the past few seasons for the Winnipeg Jets. So how can you get your former number one center back to that 80, 85, 90 point pace that he's been playing at over the past few seasons? Well... I think we can take some inspiration, actually, from our Olympic discussion earlier. Because you look at a guy like Steven Stamkos, for example. And Stammer had a few down years in Tampa Bay. Obviously, injuries play a part in that everything. But Tampa Bay was kind of trying to kickstart him and get his game back to where it's been in the past. And what did Tampa Bay do? They shifted him out to the wing. Remember, Steven Stamkos especially during that Stanley Cup run, played specifically and primarily out there on the wing, set it on a line with Anthony Sorelli. It's an interesting comparison because, you know, the Winnipeg Jets kind of have their own version, mini version of Anthony Sorelli in Andrew Kopp, right? And Andrew Kopp is a tremendous defensive player. And if it worked for Tampa Bay, why can't it work for the Winnipeg Jets here? I think this is... A pretty damn good idea. And you're kind of getting the best of both worlds in this one, right? I mean, you're still getting the elite offensive contribution of Mark Shifley, but you're combining it now with high-end defensive play, down the middle, down low inside your own zone, and you're not really sacrificing offense with it because Andrew Kopp has put up a ton of points these past few seasons. So for me, if we're talking big-time shakeup here, that's the move I'm looking to make. You know, I'm maybe trying to find a way to have Shifley, Kopp, and Ehlers out there on the ice at the same time. But I would love to see Andrew Kopp centering Mark Shifley and Nikolai Ehlers. I mean, especially for Shifley 
from his perspective here, just the ability to, what's the old saying? A centerman goes out to the wing, turn your brain off and just play hockey. There, there's not a whole lot to it. You don't have to worry about any defensive responsibilities, right? Just go out there and have some fun and play that way. And, and maybe that could be the kickstart to get Mark Shifley going. I think it's something to look into. Do I expect Paul Maurice to do it? Hell no. Like, there's absolutely zero chance that we see Paul Maurice do it. But it doesn't mean that it's not a good idea still. And it's not just because I kind of, you know, came up with it looking at Team Canada. I think there's a lot of validity in this. And I, I would love to see the team get a little bit creative, right? Because, and again, it doesn't have to be a season-long move, right? You're not benching Mark Shifley. You're not kind of embarrassing him. You're just switching things up a little bit. And you can still play him 20-plus minutes a night as a winger. He's still going to get a ton of power play time. And he's still going to get a ton of 5-on-5 time as well. But you're just making things a little bit easier on him while still giving him an elevated, important offensive role. So I, I would love to see that happen. I would love to see the team go that route. Again, I don't I don't expect it to happen, especially now that Shifley Connor Wheeler has been reunited for the 4,000th time. But maybe just something to keep in mind. Maybe just a fun theory. Let me know what you think about it. Would you like to see Mark Shifley out there on the wing with Andrew Kopp taking over the main responsibilities of being a centerman on that line? Again, to me, you're getting the best of both worlds in that situation. And hey, you're finally getting high-end defensive play on a line with Mark Shifley at the center position. I think it's worth looking into. Now, it's not going to happen for the next game. We know that. But that's where we'll turn our attention to as we wrap up this episode. The Jets are back in action Friday night at home against the New Jersey Devils, a team they haven't seen in a while and a much different looking team than from the last time they played New Jersey. Obviously, a ton of moves for the Devils this past offseason. They've kind of paid off for the most part so far this year. For me, when I look at the Devils, that to me is the definition of an average NHL team. And look, that's still a pretty far way ahead of where they've been these past couple of seasons. But to me, when I look at the roster, it's an average team. And their record kind of, you know, exemplifies that as well. 9-8-4 and four on the season, so some of the loser points keeping them technically above 500. But when you look at the roster, to me, you got a, 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 good, a good but not great top six, a pretty weak bottom six, Solid defense core, solid goaltending. It just screams average to me across the board there. Um, but they're a talented team, too, on top of it, though, even though I think they're average. Obviously, Jack Hughes, I mean, coming back from injury as of late, that's going to be the big name to keep an eye on there. He's going to be a superstar. There's no doubt about that. You know, how quickly that comes, that remains to be seen. And if he can get back to that brief level we saw in his first three games earlier on this season. But he's a ton of fun to watch. You know, kind of quietly too, Andreas Janssen, the former Maple Leaf, has had quite the start to the season for the Devils as well. He's on their second line with Jesper Bratt and Dawson Mercer. So there's the top six for New Jersey, Hughes, Heischer, Pavel Zaka, a bunch of top five, top six picks there. And then Johnson, Mercer, and Jesper Bratt. But the bottom six, they basically got no scoring out of any of those guys. Tomas Tatar, who they brought in, has been kind of mad so far. Ten points in 20 games. So there's an opportunity for the Winnipeg Jets to take advantage of in that bottom six. I also kind of like the matchup with guys like Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer. 
on Friday night just because, you know, the big forward core, if you can get somebody like Pierre-Luc Dubois out against that line, for example, that's a really, really tough call for both Heischer and Jack Hughes to handle. So we'll see how Paul Maurice uh, goes after the line matchup. But don't be shocked if you see Dubois up against the Heischer and Hughes line. Then on the blue line, Dougie Hamilton, obviously the big move by any team this offseason. It's been pretty damn good so far for the Devils. 12 points in 17 games. P.K. Subban, he's tough to watch, man. He's just a shell of himself. It, it, it's kind of sad, to be honest. Uh, but he's patrolling the second pair. And then you've got a couple of solid goaltenders behind them. Whether it is Jonathan Bernier or Mackenzie Blackwood. I mean, they've basically been identical so far this season. Nine games for each of them. 9-16, 9-14 save percentage. So... You know, whoever is in net, I don't think it matters all that much. I think Blackwood's the better goalie, but the numbers are the numbers right now. The Jets are going to be in tough against either one of those netminders in the game. Again, I mean, it's not to the level of the Arizona game where it's you have to beat the Coyotes, right? Like, you, you just can't drop points to them. But the Jets should beat the Devils in this one. I know the Devils are a much better team, and it's it should be a competitive contest. But to me, you don't want to, you don't want to drop games against teams like New Jersey. This is... In my opinion, a pretty prime opportunity for the Jets to get back on their horse, get a win streak going. Hell, maybe even score a power play goal, <laughs> right? That, wouldn't that be nice against the 21st ranked penalty kill unit in the NHL? That, that would, that's something to look forward to. So we'll see if the Jets can get going against the Devils. To me, it's a game that you would really, really like to see them win and come out with a much better effort than the one they had against the Arizona Coyotes a few games ago. But that's going to do it for the episode here. We're done for the week. Enjoy your weekend, everybody. We've got a big show coming up on Tuesday when we return. I mean, we'll touch a little bit on the Devils game, but the main reason it's going to be a big show is that for the first time all season, the Winnipeg Jets once again will face the Toronto Maple Leafs. And anytime it's Jets-Leafs, things get a little heated. It's a, it's a super fun game every single time those two teams meet. So that'll take over the majority of what we talk about when we're back at it on Tuesday. But until then, though, thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. Enjoy your weekend, everybody. Peace.